Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again! Oh, he just can't do it! You just cannot be that good! That is an amazing goal! I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? We are back with another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. And with me, as always, the... Frankfurt goes to my Luka Jovic, Billy. That's right. We're back with the tightest Premier League title race in recent time. Rivals not capitalising on Bayern Munich's drop points in the Bundesliga. A dubious last-minute penalty in Stuttgart. And Luka Jovic is back in town. So the tightest Premier League race in recent times. We're saying that because we've now enjoyed i guess you haven't enjoyed it as much but you know the times of city and liverpool dominance of probably the last three years yeah and it's, and it's in stark contrast yeah i'm i'm calling it the tightest race in recent time because there's four potentially five with tottenham that are within four points of each other so you're still going to count Tottenham towards uh, title contenders, yeah? Yeah, I think the goals that Harry Kane and Son are putting in, I don't think... Not, not yet, anyway. I can't discount them just yet. Fair enough. I mean, we have referred to them as the bottle job team of the UK, but for now, they haven't bottled it all that much yet. Exactly. And United are still top by two points over City and Leicester. But City have that game in hand, which is a game against Everton. And the way they're playing at the moment, you'd probably back City to win that and go a point clear at the top. So it's not... I'd I'd still argue it's not a given, though, because Everton have shown that they are capable of winning games against big teams. I mean, we know they've dropped off form since the start of the season because at the start of the season, everyone's like, oh, Everton could win it. And we're like, yeah, okay, calm down. But... Okay, I'll agree with you that it's probably City on paper, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, this season's so weird. I think the surprise package has probably been Leicester. And I, yeah, was, yeah. I was trying to think of this because the, the entire team, in my opinion, is still so underrated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the team they had yesterday, Kasper Schmeichel, he's won the Premier League before. And he's a very good goalkeeper. Johnny Evans, I mean, he's won the Champions League. He's won multiple Premier Leagues. Yeah, age isn't on his side, but he's still solid at the back. They've got some young guys, Fofana and James Justin, who are both ridiculous. And going forward, you know, James Madison, Harvey Barnes. And we're talking about a Leicester team where we were all like, "Mm, without Soyuncu how far are they going to get? Because we we more or less said that Soyuncu was the Van Dyke of Leicester last season. And they keep not necessarily surprising people, but since they won the league, they've not dro- dropped off like I think everyone expected them to. They've built on it. They've got that ridiculous new training ground. Yeah, yeah. And they've got, honestly, an underrated manager. In Brendan I was about to say, I was about to say, because for me, Brendan Rodgers is always, you know, due to obviously social media and pop culture in that sense, Brendan Rodgers kind of got the label of being Liverpool's David Moyes, which I think yeah, is unfair to say. It is unfair to say. I think I'm not saying Leicester are a small team, but I think the expectation at Liverpool is more prominent, obviously, because of who they are than it is at Leicester. Mm -hmm. There's probably very little pressure on him to win the league at Leicester. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if anything, people were saying if Leicester season goes really well, they'll make Europe, Europa League, European spots, just so. But nothing more than that. And now 
they're serious title contenders. And they seem to be a team that most likely will secure Champions League spots. I mean, I know there are only four points separating fifth from first. So obviously one, one slip up and the title can look very differently. I mean, Liverpool literally went from second to fourth just by drawing, not even losing tonight. So it is a very tight title race, as we've said. But I'd still, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a prediction right now. Leicester get Champions League at the end of the season. You heard it here first. Okay, so what would your top four be then? Ooh. See, I'll be honest. I think Chelsea and Tottenham are going to go Europa League and the top four would be in no particular order, that is. United, City, Liverpool, and Leicester. I'm not going to lie. I have not a single clue who will make the actual, like, the actual lineup of, of those four. Because at this point, I could see any four of those teams winning it because they all have the potential to do so. It's now just a factor of who's going to be the most consistent when it comes to winning games or at least securing points. And when will you know, the results of, of, the, of the other title contenders play in their favor? It's such a weird season. And just going back to Brendan Rodgers, it's testament to how well he's done that he's one of those names that gets thrown around for the Chelsea job. If if they sack Frank <laughs> Lampard, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's in company with you know Thomas Tuchel, who has won titles in Germany and has coached some of the world's best players, and also Max Allegri. Same deal. He's won titles, coached maybe the best player in the world in Cristiano Ronaldo, or the play, best player ever. So it it's. It's no small feat. And I think Brendan Rodgers deserves a lot more credit. Like he is probably one of the most underrated managers in England. And I hope that changes after the season because everyone knows what he's capable of. I think it will. Uh, Just before we move on, do you want to talk (laughs) about the most hyped up nil-nil? It's such a pattern. It's just such a pattern though, isn't it? Uh, you said it before you were like yeah Chelsea versus United same deal the Manchester derby Jesus Christ i mean i'm pretty sure your exact words were we'll move over to the highlights of the Manchester derby and they were a moth landing on the camera lens moving on yeah pretty much and i said it about this game as well it was too much hype around it so like, oh it's first versus second it's liverpool against united and then leicester went and won on Saturday night and completely threw off Sky Sports' narrative because they moved above Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, they really kind of killed it. And all the Sky Sports people were like, ah, damn, we're now going to have to rephrase everything. It's not as but, bad as yeah. when they had the game on the Monday night and they spent a week building up Red Monday. And it was the most boring nil-nil. Yeah, you have to say there were at least towards the end, you know, United decided to pepper Liverpool's goal with a few shots. But throughout, I, I think I don't remember a solid chance on goal really in the first half. The closest probably in the first half was Bruno Fernandez's uh, free kick that went, you know, relatively close to goal. It wasn't. It wasn't far off. It was definitely a good free kick. But you know, for for all the attacking prowess that has and the attacking hype that's been put on Bruno Fernandes, and rightly so, the poor guy spent most of the most of the eighty or so minutes that he was on the pitch defending. I saw him more at United's own box than I saw him in at the Liverpool box. He he didn't have a great game, but none of the attacking players really did. Yeah, definitely. I think, so, I think yeah, it's unfair to single him out, I guess. So, you know, Firmino, Salah, Mane were all disappointing. And then Fernandez, Martial, Rashford were all disappointing. Greenwood as well. I mean, Greenwood, he didn't obviously have a lot of time. I, I don't get why he was brought on so late. He probably should have been brought on earlier. 
in my opinion anyway. Yeah, I think it was a good game defensively because last season United went there, they went 1-0 down and they and then they started to decide to start playing and then they got mm. hit on the counter. I think it yeah, was a more yeah. assured defensive performance and I've been very critical of Luke Shaw on here but he was phenomenal today. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think for me the the three defenders and I I'm already going to take that, you know, out of the way because none of the attacking players as we've said should be getting any praise because they just didn't have a good game. But the three people who should probably be vying for man of the match after that game are probably are probably Jordan Henderson, Fabinho and Luke Shaw. Because as much as Luke Shaw outperformed himself in comparison to his recent performances, I don't think anyone expected a centre-back partnership of midfielder Jordan Henderson and Fabinho, who's not even first choice, to work in any form or fashion. Oh, God, no. And that was the thing. It was all before it was, oh, yeah, but they can get Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. But Fabinho was um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a couple times he ran across Fernandez and Rashford and defended really well. A few cynical fouls as well, but I think you've got to do that against United when they counter. You've got to bring them down around the halfway line. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think you have to be you have to pull a few smart fouls and I you know there's always this there's this great saying in Ger- in Germany where you say Steckatzin which pull the plug which literally just means take the guy out by any means necessary, risk the yellow card if you have to. I don't care. And I think, you know, you the the Liverpool players were really good about it, stopping United's counterattacking. But I think also someone who outperformed his recent form is Harry Maguire. Save for that one pass where he gifted Liverpool a golden opportunity that they just failed to put away. Oh yeah, when he He was pretty solid. Well yeah, when he played it against Mo Salah. I think it's difficult for him because obviously he's the mainstay. Yeah, yeah. And there keeps being a rotation between Eric by mainly because it's injury management. Because if he plays too many games, he'll probably aggravate the same injury and be out again. (laughs) But Victor Lindhoff was really good today. And the next Premier League game that Liverpool have is Burnley. And that'll be a proper test for Henderson and Fabinho at the back because that's literally just long ball, lump yeah. it up to the two Big Ben football. Literally your, your, your average Sunday league tactics. It's good to have another game so quickly. So Wednesday and Thursday for United and Liverpool respectively because you can't really dwell on missed chances or should have done this should have done that yeah, i was about to say it's more of a mental uh, like a good thing mentally than it is physically because obviously physically it's very taxing but yeah and there's all this talk of oh well city have the early kickoff at six o'clock for a few hours they could go top of the league but they've got aston villa and that's not an easy game so you know it's not cut and dry oh hell no yeah, I think also that thing was like they can go top of the league for a few hours. Really, that is just that is literally just Sky Sports, so they have something to say. Because I mean, who, which team is going to be like, oh yes, we're going to pop some champagne open for being first for two hours? Like, no. But even then, Fulham Fulham away isn't an easy game, as it probably would have been earlier on in the season because they've started to find some form. I narrowly lost to Chelsea yesterday. Got a point yeah, I was about, yeah. at Tottenham. So, you know, anything could happen this midweek. And then we've got a replay of the highly hyped match of tonight in the FA Cup at the next weekend, if I'm not much mistaken. Yeah, United-Liverpool, Old Trafford. I think there'll be goals in that one, though, because I think there'll be... Some rotation. Well, you have to. <laughs> be, well, that, you know, if there's no goals, there'll be penalties. But Exactly. I think a lot more of the young players will play. Yeah. yeah. So, for both teams. So, that there'll probably be goals in that. 
Yeah, more mistakes, more bit more naivety in the in the performances. Yeah. Yeah, the magic of the cup. There you go. But I think we've taken apart the Premier League a decent amount, or at least the title race. And let's move on to the Bundesliga, which I have to say now, for the last couple of episodes, we've had more to say about the Bundesliga every week. So Bundesliga is boring my ass. I just had to get that out there. Well, it's only because uh, Bayern's title rivals aren't doing enough to, put, to keep the pressure on. Okay, well, perfect segue into the first topic. I was, go- I was just about to ask you which topic you want to start off with, but I guess Bill's already chosen in his mind, so uh, take it away. Well, you know, a, few week- a couple of weeks ago, it was crisis point. A few weeks before that, Bayer Leverkusen were top, and now Bayern are four points clear. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's silly draws or silly losses, but you'd expect Dortmund to be beating Mainz. I know they had that Haaland goal ruled out. It was offside, though. I mean, the, the goals, that Haaland goal that got ruled out, the same thing happened when Bayern were playing uh, Dortmund and Lewandowski got ruled out for being a toe offside. You know, at the end of the day, it happens for every team. So Haaland goal ruled out or not, Dortmund kind of fell into like the same, like basically more or less the same patterns as they had been when they were, when Favo was just about to be sacked. Like it was just chances not getting taken. I mean, Marco Royce had a penalty and he put it wide. Uh, that, I, yeah, I've got no words for that. Exactly. I mean, it's, they literally had it on a silver platter to get the three points for that match and move into a more respectable position. Because right now, you have to say for Dortmund, it is so underwhelming. Because at this point, they are only a point ahead of Union Berlin. Given Union Berlin are the only other team to have scored in every match other than Bayern themselves, which is already a crazy statistic. But... Dortmund are now seven points behind Bayern. Seven. We're 16 games in, man. Yeah, it's not great, is it? It's because here's the thing, right? So obviously we don't comment on FA Cup and DFB Pokal because, you know, we want to... The magic of the cup is that anything can happen. So it kind of is a little bit over the top if we also comment on the fact that there's an upset because, well, that's kind of what the cup's for, that it's, it's there for upsets. But if we had commented on the DFB Pokai, we would have had a ton to talk about because Bayern managed for the first time in 20 years to get kicked out in the second round against a team from the second Bundesliga, no less. And so the form, obviously, for Bayern is not there. And they lost against Borussia Mönchengladbach. But already last weekend... No one managed to capitalize on the fact that Gladbach, who at the time were seventh, beat, a, beat the first place team Bayern München. If you can't capitalize then, or, or then, sorry, you can't make the argument that, you know, oh, it's boring because Bayern win every year. Like, it's not Bayern's fault that, that they're being gifted a four-point lead. I mean, Leipzig drew against Wolfsburg, given Wolfsburg are a harder team to play than Mainz. But still, it's a game that Leipzig on paper should be winning because they have the aspirations to be doing so and they should be, you know, it, Wolfsburg basically, is they, their attacking focus is around Wout Wichost. I, I don't know. I think it's a bit weird because... You think the attacking power that Dortmund have, I refuse to believe they couldn't put more than one past Mites. And yeah. I say Wolfsburg, when you've got that focal point, I think it's difficult for a team that play the way that Leipzig do to defend against that. You know, when one of I'm... your centre-backs in Upamecano goes marauding forward... <clears throat> As he does time and time again. I mean, to be fair, Wolfsburg even went up 2-1 at some point in this match. Like, it's not like Leipzig, they should have done better because they were peppering the Wolfsburg goal and then they were caught on the counter twice. No. Wolfsburg had a better grip on Leipzig in the first half. Second half, it kind of shifted. But 
first half, it was definitely, definitely Wolfsburg more active and obviously paid off because they scored twice. I don't know. And you can't say it's a, men- a mentality thing because Dortmund have won the league before. Leipzig, Leip- yeah. you know, they've won leagues before. And and Leipzig also, I mean, they've. It's not like they're they're naive and they don't know how 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 to win at the topmost level. I mean, this is a team that saw off Tottenham Hotspur last Champions League season four nil on aggregate. Yeah, you and, know they yeah. beat they beat United in that must win game. You know, last match week of the Champions League. So they're yeah. not bottle jobs. There's just something not clicking. And I don't know, it's difficult. Bayern probably will win the league again if this keeps up. Probably. Unless Leipzig, you know, Leverkusen lost. That's also the thing. Leverkusen, they're now, they haven't won in 2021 yet. It is their worst league start since 1982. And at one point, it's the top of the league. Exactly. Before Christmas, before the last game, before the Christmas break, which was against Bayern, they were top of the league and everyone was like, ooh, Leverkusen, you know, we're, we're very astounded. I mean, we even said it ourselves, you know, we were very impressed by the fact that Leverkusen are where they are because it's a team that lost their talisman in Kai Havertz. And for the fact that, or for them to turn around and the season after losing him go up that far and be that consistent is great. And up until that match against Bayern, they were doing amazingly. And even during the match against Bayern, they took the game to Bayern. It was a it, it was a great match of football. And Bayern looked a little bit surprised when they were when they realized you know Leverkusen aren't the same team as last year. But losing that match in the in the last basically with the last kick of the game seems to have killed their mentality. Yeah, you could see the the sort of drive was knocked out of them. It was that sort of look. They look winded by by that goal, and you know they have to start winning. It sounds so simple, you know. If you could just flick a switch and start winning again, it'd be ridiculously easy. But they're they're in danger of dropping out of European places. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're only three points ahead of Frankfurt and Wolfsburg level on points with Dortmund and one point ahead of Union Berlin. I think also you have to say that when you look at the Union, the match against Union, it was a match where Union were defensively very good and only won the match on one counterattack. So, you know, they, I mean, Leverkusen had chance after chance in that match. Just put your chances away. It sounds simple again. You know, we we both know it's not as simple as it as it as it is to just say, you know, put your chances away. It's not that it's not that easy. But for a team who have or who were at some point looking to maybe say, mm, I think title challenge, maybe take the game to take the title race to Bayern. We might be, you know, up there in the top three. That team should be doing so much more. And the sad thing is also, you know, to add to the whole disaster that night, there was another incident of racism with with Nadim Amiri being racially abused by some by one of the Union players. I mean, it's it's been apparently the Union player has a did apologize right afterwards, and the the deal has been talked about between the two players, but We've said it. It's not going to be the first. It's not the first time. It definitely won't be the last. But you know, when are the sanctions going to get more? Yeah, I think that, I think there needs to be a, a name and shame type thing. But Amiri's yeah. German, born and bred. That, that's that's the craziest thing about the whole thing. You know, he he plays for the German national team for crying out loud. I mean, it's given that hasn't exactly been a been a shield for for any players with immigrant backgrounds because we've seen you know the racial abuse directed at Mesut Özil in the aftermath of the 2018 World World Cup but still you're completely right the guy was born in Germany you know it's heritage should have nothing to do with it and even if he was from anywhere else in the world that shouldn't be a problem 
It makes no difference. He's a good footballer. That's all that matters. Exactly. Yeah, I think maybe a name and shame type thing. Because if you put it out there, it might deter people from doing it. And if not that, ban them for large portions of the season and find them heavily. Hit them where it hurts. Well put. But I think we can now move on to two feature matches, which had some some definite controversial moments, but also some great ones. So do you want to start with uh, your favorite punching bag, VAR? I would love to. Take it away, my man. Take it away. I, I don't know. I really can't understand why or how it was given as a penalty. And I'm talking about the uh, Stuttgart's 96th minute equaliser against Borussia Mönchengladbach. It stuns me. It really does. Because I'm trying to get back to what you said, uh, what you said to me about the referee. Here we go. So uh, the, the ref himself said he didn't see contact at feet and that Stuttgart were lucky to get the penalty. To be fair, that was in the interview after the match. So basically, once he had had a look again at the, uh, at, at the whole replay. Because the thing was, during the replay, he said that he hadn't even seen the contact made by the feet. And I mean, it was um, Kalajic stumbling over his own center back's feet in the, in the Mönchengladbach's box. So apparently the only thing he had seen was the fact that Benzabaini had his arms wrapped around him. In all fairness, though, the one thing I have to say in the defense of the referee, Benzabaini was an idiot for, you know, wrapping his arms around the guy because if he had done it even, if, if, if Kardashian had even been a little bit smarter, he would have been able to make that look like it had been all Benzabaini pulling him down. Because, I mean, you can't put both arms around the attacker's rib cage and expect to get away with it. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I'm going to go the other way because if the referee had to have another look at that and say, well, I didn't see any contact after the game, that's why you have a monitor. He looked at the monitor and then gave the penalty. If you're not sure, keep looking. I know... It's that sort of double-edged sword we complain about how long it takes, but take as long as you need to be 100% sure in your decision. Because, yeah, I'd re- yeah, yeah. you know, Gladbach are now eighth. It shouldn't be. Which is mad. And, okay, I get what you mean. You put your arms around someone, you're asking for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the same way if you if you put your hand on someone's shoulder, you're asking for them to go down. Yeah. It shouldn't be a penalty because it's soft as hell. Oh yeah. By the way, I'm I'm not in any form or fashion trying to make out that it was a penalty because it definitely wasn't. It was the softest thing I've ever seen given. And Jonas Hoffmann, who is the Gladbach striker. He he went off on one in the interviews post-match. He did not hold back. And he said it was an absolute ridiculous penalty to be given. It's an absolute disgrace. You know, it was literally it literally had elements of like DDA Drogba post Champions League quarterfinal match against Barcelona 2009. <laughs> what a throwback. I was saying, hey, the first guys, one that came to mind. Remember that eleven year old interview? But there'll be a there'll be a, a sizable fine coming his way. But I think Sadly. they should be allowed to they criticize should. officials. They should. Because at the moment they are the untouchables. And you know, this game's done, it's gone. United won it, but Kevin Friend on Tuesday night away at Burnley was absolutely shocking. Yeah. yeah. It was it was almost like I don't want to say like, a, like he bottled it, but it was 
there were just decisions that should have been given that one and people should be able to criticize officials because we're allowed you know people are allowed to criticize players and managers and things like that but you're not allowed to criticize the people that are supposed to referee the laws of the game and when they're clearly not doing that right they need to be you know held accountable for it yeah definitely i i think it's it's just a soft thing you know everyone obviously during the match officials have to take a fair amount of abuse and you know i get that but if you if you know, target then target the abuse level at officials. Don't target players for speaking their minds in a post-match interview. When you know that obviously they're obviously they're going to be pissed off. You've you've just lost two points. I mean, for Gladbach that was definitely a two-two loss, and for Stuttgart it was a two-two win because Gladbach for ninety-six or ninety-five and a half minutes were playing to get three points and deserve three points. And then you get it taken away from you at the last minute, especially with the aspirations and the, you know, the squad that Gladbach have. So obviously he's going to be pissed off. And if you have, if, if a referee gives you that much of a platform or basically that much of a target to direct your blame at, then, you know, it's asking a lot of a player to just sit back and say, Oh, you know what? I'm not going to go criticize the ref. That's just taking away the emotion out of the match and out of the game. Yeah, I think you should, even even if it's not publicly criticized, you should be able to like at least write to the governing body and criticize, you know, write, almost write them up for not doing their job properly, which is what yeah. you do in Sunday League. You know, you have to, yeah, yeah. You have to almost rate the referee. Like a kind yeah. of Yelp for referees. Yeah. You know, oh, I, you, th- you do what people do in restaurants in America, threaten them with a bad review. Yeah. yeah. I'm not suggesting you do what they do at high school football games in America and follow the ref home and kneecap him because that's a little yeah. too far. Just a tad. But, you know, if, if players aren't doing their job right, they get dropped. Yeah, if the referee exactly. isn't doing his job right, drop him. Yeah, definitely. That being said, I think it takes a lot, you know, I think it's it's a definite good step for the referee to in the interview post match to say, you know, guys, I'll hold my hands up. I'm sorry, I, I screwed up. Because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't his fault completely, because it was more of the fact that because the way the VAR the VAR is set up in Germany is basically VAR should only be you know, stepping in if it is a clear missed call and it's not, not a 50-50. And for everyone else, that was a pretty much a 50-50 call. So VAR shouldn't have chimed in, which is basically more of, the, of where the frustration lies. Because, you know, yes, it shouldn't be called as a penalty, but, you know, VAR should never have said, take a look at it. Because the referee on the pitch, Dr. Felix Brich, already said, you know, play on play on and it was only when vr said have a look at that that he actually took a look at it so i think it's it takes a lot of it it takes a big person to stand in front of the cameras after the match and say you know hold my hands up that's my fault well shall we move on from that to something that i actually really do want to talk about yes please lewis mate he's back he's back yes he was back Back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. <laughs> I'm so happy. And I don't Frankfurt even have... I don't even support Frankfurt and I'm really happy. It, it is great though, because you it is a player. You're also happy for the player. Because he is prime ex, he's like the, your number one example for Billy's list of players who should not have followed the call to Real Madrid or Barcelona. Correct me if I'm wrong. You are a hundred percent correct. Exactly. You know, on a, along with you know, in a notable list of players that includes Eden Hazard, Usman Dembele, Antoine Griezmann, just to name a few. But the prodigal son returns. I'm so happy. Nearly three thousand minutes for Real Madrid. He got two goals. He got two goals 
in 20 minutes on his return to Frankfurt. You just, it should make any football fan giddy with excitement, shouldn't it? I really am. And do you know what and, the, best, the best thing is as well? They've now got a strike partnership of Andre Silva and Luka Jovic. That actually should be criminal. You know, at, <laughs> right now, if they, don't, if they don't surpass every other team other than Bayern scoring goals, there's something wrong. You sh- everyone remembers that season. You know, they had him on loan from Benfica. And then they buy him. And it was, for what, it was 8.5 mil. And sell him for 70 million euros. Absolutely ridiculous. But also, also, I just have to interject. They have him on loan from Real Madrid with a buy option of, hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, 8.5 million. So, what kind of business is that for Frankfurt? What's oh the- my days. <laughs> what on earth? I can guarantee they'll buy him for 8.5 and then someone like Chelsea or. United will go, oh, they go, we'll have 60 million for that. They're sat there absolutely like Scrooge McDuck with a pool of cash. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Is it actually eight and a half mil? It is eight and a half. It is. I couldn't believe it. I was like, imagine you sell the guy who scored the most goals for you only to get him back. Like you sell him, make 60 million off of him only to get him back for. 8.5. Like you literally, you gave him away for a year and a half and that made you 50 million. You know, deducting obviously his transfer feedback. It is mind blowing. I'm speechless. That's Can we also talk? Yes. Can we also talk about the goal he scored? Because the first one was a rocket. <laughs> there should have been a hole in the back of that net. Oh, I love it. The Bundesliga's. Twitter page put out when he scored five goals in a game. Oh, against Fortuna Düsseldorf, and it's that. just yes. Guess who's back? Oh. Back here again. And not to overshadow Matthew Hop scoring again as well. So you know they did, yeah, they did lose three one, but there there is a positive for Schalke this season, and it's that American striker. Definitely, I think. Hintaega for which is which is really weird because Hintaega is probably one of the best center backs in the league. Completely fell asleep. Just let like just realized way too late that Matthew Hopp had just kind of stolen away at the back. And this is also kind of funny because one of my one of my friends who actually moved over here to Germany to actually pursue a career in football, he told me that Matthew Hopp had apparently a year ago been considering getting a scholarship to UC Berkeley in California for football and going to college because, you know, everyone was kind of like, mm, he, I don't think he really has the stuff to make it to the, to the pro and the top level in Europe. Well, guess who's laughing now, boys and girls? <laughs> I was going to say, that's just the biggest middle finger. To everyone that went, yeah, it's it's good, but are you good enough? And it's four just, goals in two games. Literally, four goals in two games. It's it, it's weird because it's such a fairy tale for oh, yeah. him, but amongst so much shite. Oh, definitely. I think we also we also have to talk about because you know. As a goalkeeper myself, I'm always going to praise good goalkeeping performances. And we already talked about it last week. The man who literally came from the edge of the abyss, football career-wise, is now keeping Schalke in every game. Like, Frankfurt easily could have won, like, from the chances they had that Fehrmann saved, they should have won, like, 6-1. Faman kept them in that match for the longest period until Jovic obviously scored. Yeah, but we said it last week. Utterly ridiculous decisions for him to be sent out on loan twice. You know, practically kicked out of the club. And it's testament to him to come back in and perform the way he's performing. Like, yeah, they conceded three, but he's stopping them conceding five or six a game and they're now 
they were the team that were adrift at the bottom. They're now level on points with Mainz. Yeah, I mean, they, there are, they did drop back to bottom, sadly, due to that loss. And it also kind of goes in line with what you said last week, which is it's all well and good winning 4-0, but if you lose 3-0 the next week, then it's kind of all for nothing. So let's... I'm desperately hoping that that's not, you know, that wasn't Shaika's last little spark before dying out completely. I don't think it will be. I think there's, it's very difficult to prepare for the team you're about to play signing a stone cold Serbian gunman. <laughs> oh, I think that should be the, that should be the, the title of this week's episode. But the one the with the stone cold the... Serbian gunman. Oh yeah. The one with the return of the stone cold Serbian gunman. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. But I'm just going to interject really quickly because this is a little bit of breaking news and it's not even from the Premier League of the Bundesliga, but Messi has received a red card just before the end of the match. And Barcelona emphatically lost the chance to win the Supercopa. <laughs> Wait. Oof. Was that tonight? That was literally just now. Just finished now. Mm-hmm. Apparently Messi got a red card for smacking a player in the back of the head. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is going on? What the fuck? Red card for violent conduct. Jesus. I don't even... (laughs) Barcelona is still reeling. They're still reeling from from that 8-2, I swear. Jesus. The first time ever in club football he's been sent off. That is ridiculous. Seems to be coming apart for him towards the end of his career. I mean, I just hope he gets... He can't, like, I just hope right now that Messi just doesn't go completely downhill and basically leave everyone with you know painful memories towards the end of his career. That should be a shame. <laughs> do you want an interesting stat? We love a stat here. Oh, we do. So Messi got yeah, one... Yeah, we red- do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Messi got one red card in 753 games for Barcelona. If he were to equal Sergio Ramos's record of 26 cards for Real Madrid, he would need to play 19,578 games for Barcelona. Yeah, if you're getting you one red card like, at the current rate. That's more, than, that's more than you can play in five lifetimes. <laughs> I, re- I really want to see what he did. That is funny as hell. But that provides us with a, such a nice segue to our last little bit of uh, this week's podcast, which is we already posted about it on social media and the Bundesliga says farewell to a almost 10 year veteran of the Bundesliga in David Abraham, the Argentine center back who played for Frankfurt the last five years. Sky Sports and Frankfurt, they all had their different little video clips and such. It was a, it was a pretty big tearjerker, not going to lie. You, know, even, you're, you don't even have to be a fan of Frankfurt or David Abraham. You just had to be a football fan. You were just sitting there and your <laughs> eyes started welling up. It's so wholesome, though, as well. That's the thing. To stay on because of the pandemic and the stop in play. You know, it just goes to show why he's captain, isn't it? Yeah, and he captained them to a, a, a to a cup, didn't he? As well, when they beat Bayern. Yeah, yeah. I, it was, and he's had a he's he's seen like you would think that he would have had you know bigger career because people forget. But you know, I love that little anecdote is the fact that this guy won the under twenty World Cup with Argentina in the same team as none other than Lionel Messi and Sergio Aguero. You know, two of the greatest players in Argentine football history. If you don't count Diego Maradona. And, you know, Maradona is in his own class. Yeah, he, he won 
he come from Basel, didn't he? And he won a fair amount with Basel. Yeah. But it's that, Two I think, cups in three leagues. Probably just for the love of the game and the love of the love of Frankfurt. He'd been there since 2015. Yeah. And longevity isn't a great thing in football these days. No. You know, players move on. I think we're coming, you know, when Messi leaves Barcelona, I think that might be the last of the, you know, if he, if he retires at Barcelona or what, but it might be the last of the one club player or the player there for longer than like two or three years. Sad to say, I think you're right. Because, you know, it's, you know, Philip Lam retired. He was more or less the one club. I mean, the la- some of the last ones, Thomas Müller probably, you know, is the one who comes to mind as well. And, it, you know, David Alaba is not going to be a one club player because he's most likely on his way out. Dortmund have kind of ruined the fact, ruined it for themselves because they just sell everyone. I was going to say, it's very difficult to be a one club player for Dortmund. Yeah. But even the minute your market value goes over 50 mil, oh, you're getting sold. <laughs> literally. But even players like Bastian Schweinsteiger, you know, he had yeah. a couple difficult years. Iffy years. In, not ideal years in Manchester. And then moved to yeah. Chicago. So a player who was like this massive Bayern legend ended up playing for two more teams. Yeah, see, even then. I think it's just also got to do to do with that commercial aspect of football nowadays. I think if it weren't for that, it would you would see players staying on for a lot longer. I think it's testament to Abraham though, because it's got that has to be for the love of the game and for the love of the team. Yeah, I mean his family is literally an ocean away. Like his son, only you know he flew in his son to you know to see him, and he and he sometimes went to visit him. Like his his whole family does not live in Frankfurt, and he stayed on for a full seven months more than he planned to. I mean, he planned to leave last summer. Props to the man. Hundred percent. One last thing before we go, it's not strictly well, it is Premier League related, but. The nightmare is finally over for Mesut Ozil. Yes, yes. You know, he's had his contract terminated by mutual consent and he's going to Fenerbahce. That, that'll be a load off of Arsenal's shoulders not having to pay him 350 grand a week. Just stupid money, isn't it? If you're making 350k a year, you are making an insane amount of money. And he's doing that in a week, or he was. It's just, it was just such a sudden decline. Yeah. And I can't really understand maybe an attitude thing because, you know, when he signed Arsenal. I don't know. They're probably the best they've been since they last won the league. I when think that's he a fair assessment. And they had Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. You know, things were going well ish. You know, they won a, a few FA Cups. Definitely. But I think when Arsene Wenger retired and they got Emery in, things weren't all peachy. Now, because Arsene Wenger was also the guy who basically was the reason for to even think about leaving Madrid. And I don't understand why he ever left Madrid in the first place. I I think officially speaking, it was a, you know, it it was kind of like, you know, he said his time and come to find something new, but unofficially it was something to do with uh, the board and differences with club management, something along those lines, because, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was very, very pissed off when, when Uzi left because, you know, he lost his main assisting man. Well, it's a similar thing to Angel Di Maria. Yeah. You know, there's no real reason for him to leave Real Madrid. But he still does. But he, he still does. And, you know, there's all that thing tossed around that he didn't fit with the the sort of the beautiful player image of the Galacticos. It was like, well... That's utter yes. bullshit. <laughs> For lack of a better word, yeah. 
this guy was doing Rabona assists. Like, how is that not beautiful? I mean, he scored that chip against Leicester. I nearly cried. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Don't ask. I'm not the one. I'll I'll be the first one to say, you know, watching Di Maria, you know, for the, his attitude, I don't like, but I mean, there's no doubt about it. He is a footballing genius. Yeah, he can do things with a football that very few people can. And it's the same with Mesut Ozil. Yeah. I think watching him between 2010 and 2013 turn into one of the most lethal midfielders, center attacking midfielders ever. I mean, a prime Uzi is better than so many players who are hyped up today. I remember so him, many. I remember watching him in the, that tournament before the summer before he signed for Real Madrid. Yeah, the World Cup 2010. Terrorized England, by the way. Ridiculous. Some of the <laughs> just just thought I'd add that in there. Cheers for that. Is that that game we were robbed of? Hey, it was payback for Wembley 66. We've been through this. It's fine. Germany is shite now anyway. It's all come full circle. The, the sad thing is I can't even argue. England are a better team right now than Germany. It's, clip that. It is sad. Someone clip that and send it to him when, when he eventually tries to claim Germany the best team in the world again. Um, I'm, I'm only saying that. I'll put it this way. I'm only saying it, you know, obviously, technically I'm saying it twice now, but you only ever hear me say it this time around, yeah? Because the minute Germany are back on top of the world, which they will be in terms of football, they will become the best national team again. I will be rubbing it in your face. You best believe I will be rubbing it in your face. Well, there we go. I think that's probably a good place to end it before we start hurling abuse. Yeah, probably. Because, I mean, who would listen to that? Probably every fan of Arsenal fan TV. Sorry. Sorry. Who wants, <laughs> who wants to hear football fans make stupid statements and shout at each other? Basically all of YouTube and all of Twitter. All of them. <laughs> so that is all the time we have for tonight, guys. Don't forget to subscribe, share, like, comment on all of our socials. We are ever so grateful. And keep your eyes peeled for any breaking news that we deem appropriate. We have got more this week, but thanks very much for listening. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.